Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Flyboy Mikey Mike. And I'm a Singapore Shane on a pole. Oh my god. <laughs> Welcome to episode 122, Hostile City Showdown 1994. I was looking at, and I was like, oh, that's a wild attendance, uh, but that was the date. <laughs> I was like, you can't fit this many people in an ACW arena. I'm sure there was, you know, 1994 the, people. Yeah, ECW always <laughs> sells out, right? Pretty much I think at this so. point. So this was the first Hostile City Showdown produced by ECW. It would take place on June 24th, 1994 from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with an attendance of 1,000 people. Nice. Give or take. It's going to be like that for a while whenever we're in ECW. Yes. Yeah, it's not going to, like, I'm, I guarantee the next you know, five ECW shows that were taped aren't like, oh, well, only 400 people showed up. No more. They're starting to hit their sweet spot. I mean, all these uh, Terry Funks and some other folks showing up, you never know who's going to be there. We've had J- Jimmy Snuka beat the living crap out of Tommy Dreamer recently. I still smile at that one. Cause <laughs> not, not that I'm happy that Tommy got beat, but I'm just happy I never got to see... Snooker like that and finally got to. Oh, yeah, and he also, it was cool because he put over Dreamer by beating his ass. Yes. It was good. It was smart. But we're back in Philly, which is Shane's favorite town. It's getting there. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're in Philly a lot, and I'm realizing that I'm going to have to start becoming a little more creative because I'm running out of places to order from, but... Luckily, I found one today that uh, had two of Philly's local favorites available all at the same time. Went to a uh, place here in OKC called Hobby's Hoagies, or I should say I uh, door dashed it. Good subs, pizzas, I think they have pastas maybe too. I don't know, good pizza uh, though. Yeah, they're, they kind of have it all around. But we got a uh, special Italian hoagie because the people in Philly love their hoagies. Uh, this one has ham, salami, uh, capicola, provolone, some lettuce, tomato, oil and vinegar, pickles, and then the uh, little cherry pepper relish stuff on there that I can't remember the name of. You got it. Cherry pepper relish. Is that what it is? Okay. I don't know. Maybe there's a fancy name, but that's what I always call it. It's good stuff. Though. Yeah. Yeah, these are legit. Nice. Nice roll. Nice and meaty and flavorful. And then uh, as a side option, they had another... Uh, Philly original tasty cakes Uh, they gave us three different varieties one I gotta look them up because I don't remember what the hell these things are called got one that kind of looks like a Twinkie yeah the the Twinkie one is a butterscotch crimpet oh okay Uh, there is a a cream filled buttercream iced cupcake and then a looks like a ding dong yeah a a little smaller but yeah like a ding dong with white Mm -hmm. icing and then a uh, chocolate-covered peanut butter candy cake. Oh, yeah. The crimpet I've heard of. See, I, 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 
I don't know if I've ever actually had a Tasty Cake product, but I knew they sold them around here. I'm, I've always been, you know, a Little Debbie or a Hostess or, or something. So hey, let's uh, let's see what a butterscotch crimpet. The other, um, the other one. What's the other? I think it's, it's like a cake. Oh, like a New England one, the Drakes, or it's called. Oh yeah, the, uh, Drakes cakes. Yeah, I've had those because I have family from up there, but down here in Oklahoma, it's all it's all Little Debbie. Hostess is everywhere. Jersey Mike's used to carry tasty cakes here in the city, but for some did reason they? they quit doing it, hmm. which I was kind of shocked when they did that. So tasty cakes are an Eastern thing, huh? Good to know. Re- yeah, re- regional snack cakes. Let's see what this old candy cake tastes like. I feel like the candy cake is the one that I'm... Chocolate and peanut butter and cake. Oh, okay. When you say candy, I was like, is it going to be like a mint thing or no. something? It's just a fun little play on words. Let's just say they're all very delicious. They are. Oh, yeah. This is like uh, put packed in with your uh, peanut, or bu- peanut butter and jelly or ham and... <laughs> Cheese or turkey and cheese uh, for you know your school elementary school lunch for sure. Well, while we continue to big old bite, sorry, snack on cakes, snack on the cakes, grind some hoagies, Gra- grab those cakes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you beat me to it. Missed it. Something that came out the, around the same time: the debut studio album from Hootie and the Blowfish. Hootie who? Cracked rear view would be released a couple weeks later. I mean, um, I Want to Be With You, Let Her Cry, this album. Hold My rules. Hand. Yeah, it rules. There's like five singles on here. They're all good. The whole album's super solid. We all love Darius Rucker and his big, beautiful voice. His mm-hmm. name is Darius Rucker. His name's not Hootie. There's no Hootie in the Blowfish. <laughs> There's no Hootie. There are no Blowfish. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, they Jethro. Named it Jethro after, yeah. I mean, there was a Hootie and a Blowfish, but they were... Friends of theirs at oh. South Carolina University. Oh, okay. What were the? It was just like some joke names. Yes. Okay. It's like yeah, nicknames with their friends. Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I, I mean, this that. is a album that I definitely listened to a lot as a kid, and it showed up in my house like plenty of other albums in the '90s that we probably talked about around this time recently on the yeah. show where I'm like, oh yeah, of course, like somehow Jagged Little Pill and this got in my house the Crash Test Dummies record. Uh, <laughs> yes, I Am by Melissa Etheridge. It's like my parents weren't listening to these and I didn't have any money. Uh, I don't know how they ended up in my home, but <laughs> but I know them pretty well. Yeah, the uh, you can't have a soundtrack of the 90s without at least two Hootie and the Blowfish songs on there. Damn, I'm not even drinking. <laughs> you're, yeah, so you're all caked up. This, that... was, this was one of the first albums I ever bought on my own. Nice. It's I, a solid one to do, man. I absolutely love Hootie and the Blowfish, and to this day, I'm still. I have all their albums. I finally got to see them live for the first time a couple years ago. Uh, where'd you have to go? Did you just go to Carolina? I went to Dallas. Dallas. Okay, that's what I was going to guess. Um, they. they did a reunion tour type thing um, right before they put out their newest album. Oh, um, I didn't even know that they were still together. I thought Darius was just going country. Darius is doing his country thing, but they did get back together and do a new album that came out actually in 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. How is it? You can tell that all the producers are from Nashville. Well, okay. <laughs> That's a good thing. 
I mean, so it has very much a... Sometimes. There's still a little bit of a country vibe. It, it's very much a country vibe okay. to the album. Darius couldn't shake it. He's like, guys, I'm sorry, but I just can't go back to my, uh, you know, acoustic guitar, I mean, Budweiser days. I think a days. lot of it, to me, and I think the album is a good album. It's not a great Hootie and the Blowfish album, but it is a good album. It's no Cracker Premier. No. The, I think they, I feel like they pulled the electric guitar back. Oh yeah, a little bit too much. They put like some slides. There's like slide on there now. I don't think there was. I don't think they did any like fiddle like, or like your traditional country traditional country producing. But I think they just kind of moved the mix a little bit, so mm. it made it feel not quite Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah, because I mean, I don't know. Cracked Rearview Mirror, Rearview Mirror is straight up like rock production. It's yeah. that. I mean, it's the, college rock. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. At the height of the height of it, in a way, because like before that, college rock was like indie or underground stuff. But this is like your sister Hazel's and yeah. your uh, pre-Matchbox Twenties and your uh, give me another one. Uh, like ever uh, Everclear will show up here shortly. Yeah, it, no, one Rear, Rear Eye View is the name of the album. Dog, Dog's Eye. Dog's Eye View. Dog was it Dog's Eye View? Oh, I don't remember. They were on Hootie and the Bluefish's album or record label. Oh, okay. So I picked up that album at some point too. <laughs> yeah. They opened for him on tour. So I am. Uh, we're all pro Hootie, but I feel like I should give the Darius Harker country thing a go at some point. It's pretty I, good. I really like. I mean, I know it's commercial as fuck, and it's it's been played all over the place. But Wagon Wheel. It's not even his best song. No, it's not. He didn't but write it's that. It's a great it? song. No, it's okay. Old, it's I was like, old, I know it's an old, it's an old song. pro medicine show. Yeah, because I remember hearing that. Yeah, I knew that because I knew people that would play that song a lot. No, I mean, listening to him back then, there was just something in his voice that I could see an easy transition because I listened to Country Girl. Now, the too. question is though, hmm. did you guys get his R and B album? Oh, I did didn't not. know he did that. Oh yes. How is it? <laughs> it is not good. I was like, that voice <laughs> does a, not there transfer. Is a reason, there is a reason that after he did that, he disappeared for a few years and then came back to doing country. What's funny is like his voice is deep, but he's not, it's not, he doesn't have, he's, there's no, he doesn't have the same, his heartbeat and Barry White's heartbeat are in a different rhythm. It just, no, I don't, just don't see it happening. <laughs> deep, beautiful voices, both sides, but... Uh, yeah, one of them was made for R&B. Well, let's talk some Hostile City Showdown. Yay! I mean, this is the Hostile Shitty, uh, Shitty, Hostile <laughs> City. These guys were, um, were cheering for heels a few years ago when we've been in Philadelphia. I believe there was a Skyscrapers match where, uh, they were cheering Sid and because he was, That's you know, true. big and awesome and they were booing Spivey when he was in the ring because he sucked <laughs> and they all knew it because they're a wrestling town. Well, we see shots of Philadelphia as Joey Styles welcomes us to the show, and we go straight to our first match: Hack Myers versus Tommy Dreamer. And Hack in the leather daddy gear. Yeah. So Hack is yelling at some fans, while Dreamer is handed a New York Rangers jersey. So he promptly stomps on it, because Philadelphia Flyers, New York Rangers. Oh yeah, Dreamer's full baby, baby. Hockey rivals. Also, Tommy Dreamer comes out to even flow. I love watching these shows that aren't on network or whatever, and you get to hear the songs. I'm gonna have. I wrote them down if I knew them. 
I'm gonna have to go back and see once it's available on the uh, network if it is already. I don't know, but just to see what they put in place of it. Yeah, it's just generic. It's music. like -na 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 -na. <laughs> it's that same Steiner Brothers music that we had. <laughs> so the two men get into each other's face, only for Tommy to slap him multiple times and hit a bulldog to send Myers out to the floor to regroup. Dreamer goes for a vertical suplex to bring Hack back in but it's blocked and Myers slams Tommy's head into a turnbuckle before heading up top when Dreamer press slams him off to the mat. Hard Irish whip, back body drop, Tommy then takes Hack down with a side headlock. The crowd doesn't like the pretty boy as Myers makes his way back to his feet. Ducks an Insiguri and starts delivering shots across the back before attempting a back suplex, which Dreamer counters to land on top for a two count. Neckbreaker, snap suplex. Dreamer then telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Hack to throw him down to the mat and start stomping away. Myers with a big clothesline, elbow drop. He's choking Tommy across the ropes before dropping a leg across the back of the neck. Hack with a snapmare and locks on the trap hole. Fuck yeah. Giving Tommy Dreamer a trap hole. Very funny. <laughs> the Hack trap. But then Dreamer ducks a clothesline and comes off the ropes with a crossbody for a near fall. Myers rakes the eyes, goes to a camel clutch hold, only for Tommy to low blow mule kicking to escape. Dreamer hits a jumping DDT, goes for an elbow drop, only for Hack to avoid and go for a body slam, which Tommy floats over to attempt an O'Connor roll, but Myers holds onto the ropes. Dreamer comes right back and hits a sunset flip for a two count. But then Hack is just pissed off, raking the eyes, choking, slamming Tommy's head into the mat Ooh. before sending him hard into the corner, chest first. Uh, that's Brett's move. I know. I'm sure um, there's no way this looked as good as ever. I don't know how Brett gets that sound. It sounds like somebody, yeah, like threw like a like punching bag into the corner, just dead weight. <laughs> Dreamer reverses an Irish whip to send Myers hard into a turnbuckle, then heads up top, coming off with a diving splash for the pin and, and the win. So we can say that uh, Hack Myers, more like Hack Wrestler. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure he's heard that before, probably made the joke himself. Unless Hack Myers goes on to be somebody. I was going to say, know. will we see Hack Myers again? Do we know? Probably we will, on. We will see him again. Probably All on right. a couple more ECW shows. Probably Pretty losing much. to some guys. <laughs> we go to our second match Don E. Allen versus Chad Austin. I want Chad Austin's ECW jacket. ECW, they got some money now. They got cool, like, uh, bomber jackets, man. So as the announcer is announcing the two men. 911 all of a sudden jumps into the ring with Paul E. dangerously running after him. 911 grabs the weird haired ref to <laughs> choke slam him, which brings Alan and Austin to try and ward him off, but to no avail. That's our uh, undercut ref. 911 then grabs both Austin and Alan to choke slam them as well. Kane vibes. I know 911 is is 911 the most he's the most over in WC in the ECW right now. Right? Like him and like Sabu, <laughs> and I like funk, but like, of course, funk. But like, as far as guys that can't do anything, 
They just love 901 coming out and choke slamming a motherfucker. I mean, he comes down looking like Razor, Mamo- Razor Ramon, but wearing Jake Roberts' old clothes. He looks and so much like Jake Roberts. It's crazy. Doing, doing Kane's moves. Yeah. 911 grabs the ref again as Todd Gordon comes into the ring, pushing Paul E. down. 911 turns his attention to Gordon and choke slams him as well multiple times. Oh my god. Dreamer then comes into the ring to help Todd, but 911 attacks him. Choke slamming Tommy as well. Nice try, Tommy. It's a great second match there, guys. Yeah. Him, I mean, choke, uh, him choke slamming uh, people is probably much better than a Donnie Allen Chad Austin match. Yeah. Chad Austin is such a good bad name. And I think we talked about this match more than we talked about the one before. <laughs> <laughs> it's because nine one one is a, you know, he's yeah, he's, yeah, he, he's, he's going to have the title next week if, if he keeps it up like this. Fingers crossed. God. <laughs> My fingers are crossed in the other direction. (laughs) Uncrossed. All my fingers and toes are uncrossed for that. Third match. Pitbull with Jason, the sexiest man on earth, versus the Tasmaniac in a dog collar match. So Taz jumps in the ring where Jason and Pitbull hit a chain-aided clothesline before locking the collar around the Maniac. Fistful of chain by Pitbull before tossing Tasmaniac over the ropes which pulls him over as well. Pitbull continues the attack on the floor until Taz pulls the guardrail into Pitbull to take control. Maniac, now using the chain, slams Pitbull into a different guardrail and delivers a chair shot across the back of the head before wrapping the chain around the Pitbull's neck. So, you know, we're three matches in. We're already, we're, it's, already easy. it's already extreme, baby. That's right. Chair shots and chain wraps. A rake of the eyes gets the pit bull some space, so he grabs a chair and slams it across the head of the Tasmaniac. Pitbull then slams Taz's head into the apron, which is no sold, and the Maniac starts delivering some headbutts and right hands to send him into the crowd. I know these guys, they never learn that if the man is from an island or tan enough to look like he's from an island... Or wrestles with no shoes. Or wrestles with no shoes... <laughs> Uh, his head is harder than the hardest part of the is ring. He's not the, the apron. most foreign-looking jersey guy. Get <laughs> the hair, and obviously he's got like the. It's like a, a, a Bam Bam Flintstones. Yeah, so I was thinking like <laughs> onesie. What was what was the character Saturday Night Live? Mr. Peepers, the Chris Kattan oh, kind yeah, of monkey yeah, kid. Yeah, and then yeah. The, the one where the rock comes on. Yes. Taz follows up with some more chair shots before they head back into the ring where Pitbull picks up the attack, wrapping the chain around the neck of the Tasmaniac, before going to touch three corners when Taz yanks Pitbull down to break the count. This is when I remember it's like, oh, is a dog collar match always the three corners? So that confused me. I yeah, was I was like, oh, well, I mean, obviously it is here. Now yeah. I know what we're doing. Clothesline from the Maniac, and he begins to touch corners, making it to three as well, before Pitbull hits him from behind and choking him on the ropes. Pitbull hits a belly-to-belly and goes for a pin and gets a two-count. But... Wait, I, wait, I thought you had to touch quarters? If you can do it either way, I mean... Yeah, yeah. Yep. Cool! Maybe Taz was like, whatever, man. I forgot what I was doing. Taz Maniac comes back with a T-bone suplex for a near fall. But Pitbull hits an arm wrench lock. But Pitbull hits an arm wrench back kick. To take Taz down. Pitbull hits a power bomb, wraps the chain around the throat of the maniac, 
and starts to touch corners. But the Tasmaniac is touching them as they go by as well. I know, it's a fun little, uh... It's like, oh, okay. Sneaky little I got an idea boy. what's about to happen, but let's see how this plays off. <laughs> they both make it to three corners. And then Taz grabs Pitbull from behind to hit a Tazplex. <sighs> for the pin... And the win. Not what I expected. You know what I expected? For him to just do like a release German or something, because he did like a belly... And throw him into the fourth... Or, you know, or just to just like yeet him over his shoulder and go tap the corner, which was <laughs> kind of what I was hoping for. Or I thought that maybe somehow one of them would get accidentally pushed into the corner. Yeah. Because he already did it, and he'd be like, why? How did he win? Because I, I didn't see him do it. So it was a... a I'll give him points for subverting my expectations with a three count to finish the match. Yeah. <laughs> After Taz was already doing that. So, I mean, at the very least, you can't say that that wasn't an interesting finish. No. No, you can't. <laughs> it was a thinker. <laughs> I was thinking for a while there. Well, like, those last 30 seconds were the most intense parts. So, how are we going to finish this? What are we doing here? Post-match. Some guy just jumps in the ring and starts attacking the maniac. No. Joey says it's Pitbull number two. Oh. So they team up to beat the Tasmaniac, hitting several double team moves, including an Irish whip, aided crossbody, and a clothesline in the corner. Have we seen a Pitbull two before? We have not. Oh. I don't think so. A wild Pitbull appears. They put the collar back on Taz and throw him over the ropes to hang him. And the Pitbulls then celebrate their beatdown before heading to the back. Aww, well, I mean, you know, Taz got the win. People like him. He had a much more successful career than either of these pit bulls. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're real estate moguls at this point. I don't think they had as much success in in the, the squared boots. circle. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not. I mean... And it really depends on who you ask if Taz had a successful one. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's still getting paid to do it. I mean... Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's, successful it's, doesn't mean that it doesn't mean Hogan. Because uh, nobody got to do that. Of the people in ECW, he's pretty much the only one with a guaranteed paycheck right now, isn't he? Aside from Paul. Sting? Dreamer's working at Impact. Yeah, that's right. He is still Sting got, stand, got stand-around money. Sting wasn't in ECW, though, was he? Oh, no, I thought you said WCW. No. Sorry. Yeah. Because, I mean, you got Bubba, Bubba's doing radio and working with Ring of Honor, I think, still. Okay. So I didn't know he was still... I thought he had stepped down fully after this last year or so. I mean, I haven't watched Ring of Honor in a while, so I'm not sure if he's still with them or not. But last time I saw, he was. Trying to think of all the other people. Who would have thought a guy with the uh, starting name of the Tasmaniac is still around I almost mean, 30 years later? Technically, Paul Heyman's probably. I mean, yeah, yeah but, but Paul Heyman, it, like, as long as wrestling is around and Paul Heyman wants to be in it... Put a microphone in front of him. Yep. It's like there's not a whole lot of people out there that can do uh, can do that. Uh, Jim Cornette stopped a long time ago. He's the only other one that's like breathing. Where I'm like, if he wants the microphone, just give him the microphone. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, if CM Punk were to make a return, I'd say the same thing about him because he he was always magic on the mic. But yeah, Paul, give him a mic, give him a camera, get the fuck out of his way. Yeah, if Sabu probably can't even walk. <laughs> oh, but he would find a way. Our, I wonder what RBD does. I guess smoke weed. Yeah, I think he still wrestles occasionally. Uh, he's, he his, run in, his run in Impact ended, and he hadn't done anything yeah. since then. People thought he was coming back to WWE. Was, wasn't he? Or did he get 
can't remember. Did he get in the Hall of Fame this year? I think so. Okay. I remember he was rumored to, but the Hall of Fame wasn't really anything this year, so I can't remember for sure because I didn't watch it. So we're headed to our fourth match, the Bruise Brothers. Who don't come out to the Blues Brothers the Brothers song. The they come out to some Sabbath. You're the Bruise Brothers. You need to come out to some the popular Blues Brothers song, right? Sure. Isn't it a pun on the Blues Brothers? The Bruise Brothers? I don't think so. Well, it's just an alliteration. I know, but it, that's the first thing I thought was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I mean... Yeah. The like Kick-Ass Brothers just doesn't have as good of a... Or mm. Kick-Your-Ass Brothers yeah, doesn't have as yeah. good of a ring to it. That's true. And that's Don and Ron Harris versus Mr. Hughes and the franchise, Shane Douglas. The Brothers of Bruise against the franchise and Hughes. Let's do this. As soon as Brothers. Hughes and Douglas hit the ring, everybody starts brawling, leading outside of the ring with one of the Harris Brothers sending Shane into a ring post. Which one? Post. I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... Hard to do. <laughs> Everybody settles down to have Ron and Hughes in the ring, with neither really doing anything, until Douglas comes into the ring to beat on the Bruise Bro, which brings Don into the ring as we get a Pier Six once again. Doesn't Shane Douglas like call out Bret Hart or something? They had said something about he's called out. Bret oh, Hart it was Joey Joey Styles talking about it. Like, oh, he's just saying. It's been names. unanswered so far. Shane Douglas, he's saying names. A bruised brother yeah. pulls Mr. Hughes off the apron. Bro one, bro two. While the other hits a clothesline in the ring. Everybody's now outside the ring just brawling away when a fan hands Shane a chair to smash over the head of Dawn, followed by a body slam on the concrete. Ron comes in with a clothesline on Douglas while Dawn and Hughes head back into the ring, only for Ron to use a chair across the rough neck's back. Dawn shoulder blocks Mr. Hughes off the apron into the guardrail as the match seems to settle down once again. I forgot about that whole roughneck thing. <laughs> Shane jumps in the ring to hit a jumping knee to Don to send him to the floor, follows out to head slam his head against the guardrail. Back in the ring again, Don hits a snap suplex, and Ron comes in to stomp away on Douglas, only to charge into a corner with a clothesline, but Shane moves and hits a belly-to-belly. Don comes in to choke Douglas, while Hughes starts working over Ron as the legal men, only for Don to attack from behind and toss the roughneck to the floor. Now everybody's on the floor brawling, with Don choking Shane with a chair on the throat. Hughes misses a clothesline on Don back in the ring, so he takes something out of his pocket oh no. and hits the bruise bro with it before choking him with the FO. No. Mr. Hughes drags Don to his corner, only for Ron to come over and break it up with a steel chair across the back of both men before tossing Douglas out to the floor. Everybody's back on the floor, brawling once again. Yeah, I'm over this. I like the spot where Shane Douglas sells a real nice one over the steel. Probably happens right about here. (laughs) With Ron tossing Shane (laughs) over the guardrail into the fans. Then goes to bring him back over with a vertical suplex but ends up crotching him on it instead. Ron meets the roughneck back in the ring, where Hughes hits a sidewalk slam, makes the cover, but the ref is on the outside dealing with Douglas and Don. Visual pin, not a win. Don jumps back in the ring and kicks Mr. Hughes, rolling Ron on top of him for the pin and And the win. win. Post-match, Hughes starts arguing with the ref, 
before grabbing a mic to yell that he won the match. He wants a different ref, and that will beat those Bruise Brothers. Oh, you just, just, just keep it moving, Mr. Hughes. No one wants to see this again. Yeah. Uh, you guys ready for the rematch next month? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not a Bruise man. <laughs> just saying. I'm not a, a Hughes man. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I prefer him when he was Big Cat. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I prefer him when he doesn't talk on the microphone, just deep, angry, ah. and intimidating. and. I like, yeah, I, I like him as, look like, like a, you're going to drive my limo off a cliff. A, a valet guy, because he's big, and he looks good in a hat, and, like, overall, like, a, not necessarily a suit jacket. They never get him tailored, but the... Suspenders. Suspenders. I like him in suspenders, standing next to the ring. Maybe. Can you imagine IRS and Mr. Hughes together as a team? They, they probably look cool. That could be great. As long as Mr. Hughes did. I don't know. Right? <laughs> Considering the four people that were in this match, I think they did about as what they could. Agreed. With yeah. the limitations Agreed. that those three bigger gentlemen had. Yes. I'm with you there. Because the sure. only time this match was any good at all was when was Shane, when Douglas, Shane Douglas was in the ring. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Moving on to our fifth match. Oh my god. The Sandman with Woman. Woman, oh woman, won't you marry me now? Versus Iron Man, Tommy, Cairo, with Miss Peaches. In a Singapore cane on a pole match. Can Woo! I can I tell you the rules? Please? Please. Rule number one. Take the cane off of the pole. Number two. You won. Number three. Hit him with the hit him with the pole or not the pole the cane cane oh. yeah I mean if you can hit him with the pole hit him with the yeah. pole but... how about a Singapore pole on a cane match <laughs> oh Vince Russo's getting so, hard somewhere <laughs> the thing that was crazy to me is as they're setting this up is that this cane or this pole where the cane is it is way the fuck up there. I know I was like these like. This... They are literally going to have to climb the pole. Yeah, it's not just up, up there. there. It's not like within. Like they like... can't get on the top rope and, and just jump. reach up and get it. <laughs> they literally have to climb up this pole to be able to reach it. And I don't know if you guys have seen the Sandman, but I just don't imagine him climbing anything. Yeah, I mean, outside of like you know the step into his pickup truck. Tommy Cairo, when we first watched him, perhaps, but he's kind of he's not jumped as, up in yeah, that he, time. He, so. Noticeably. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of swole. And yeah. This isn't like Pillman sag. and Steamboat are going to climb a pole. No. <laughs> so as the match gets going, Cairo backs the Sandman into the corner with the pole. So the Sandman just leaps up to try and grab it. But Tommy grabs him and hits a German suplex and a spinning heel kick. To send him out to the floor. And, I mean, he's full Sandman at this point. I mean, we've already seen him basically there, but it's oh, like yeah. 110%. He's coming out, I don't know if he did it before, coming out to the bitch's back. Bitch's back, back, and then he like lights up a cigarette at ringside. Yeah, I think he smokes two cigarettes before the match starts. <laughs> He'll get to full Sandman here in a few weeks. <laughs> he gets his music. Cairo then follows out with an elbow drop off the apron, rolls the Sandman back in the, and starts climbing to the top. Coming off with a somersault. I mean, yeah. Makes the cover, but the ref reminds him that he has to get the cane. Oh, bummer. Tommy starts climbing, but the Sandman catches up with him, holding him so he can't climb. Cairo then tosses the Sandman through the ropes, and he goes through the timekeeper's table, followed by a leg drop off the apron. 
Uh, Joey Styles with this incredible line. The, one of the many reasons we all love and adore him. Nobody has anything bad to say about Joey Styles. When we're good, we're good. And when we're bad, we're ECW. <laughs> <laughs> but after that horrible bump through the table, Sandman's up quickly. And he begins to start to stalk Miss Peaches around ringside. He's too drunk to feel the table bump. <laughs> allowing Tommy to come in from behind with a clothesline and another leg drop from the apron. Back in the ring, Sandman goes downstairs on Cairo multiple times before hitting a back elbow, body slam, and a slingshot splash. Sandman continues the attack with knee drops and starts to climb, but again, Tommy catches up with him, hitting him where the sand shouldn't be, which knocks him <laughs> down to the turnbuckle. A lot of nut shots in this last 30 seconds. Mm, also, they, they make sure to uh, do woman cam for some Oh, yeah. You got it. It's ECW. Exactly. You got to put the camera on the ladies. I don't really need to watch this match. I'd rather just the camera be on woman the yeah, entire time. Yeah, for sure. And Peaches, too. Let's get them both in one tight shot. Yeah. Cairo starts delivering stiff forearms, which knocks the cane off the pole. What? Before Tommy hits a vertical suplex off the ropes. The ring announcer hands the ref the cane, who just places it on the turnbuckle. <laughs> while Cairo hits a front suplex and a DDT on the Sandman. Tommy starts walking towards the cane, when Woman tosses a different cane from, from under the ring into the Sandman. So Cairo turns to take multiple blows across the back, which busts him open. Yeah, I did like the Sandman, like, suplex block that just ends with both of them face-planting in the <laughs> ring. It was kind of <laughs> gross. The ref just calls for the bell, and the official announcement is a no contest. Also, I named that uh, move. It's called a stupid plex. Post-match, Sandman just continues the punishment when Miss Peaches runs in, only to be shoved away. Peaches, you gotta get out of there. No more cigarette burns for you. That's right. Peaches runs to cover the body of Tommy when Sandman tosses the original cane that was on the pole to woman who proceeds to drill Miss Peaches with it. She hits her in the head, and I did not like looking at that. Yeah, she... Not on the back, not on her butt. I'd say woman won this match. (laughs) (laughs) Sandman then takes the mic and tells Cairo to pay your bills. All right, what are you, a landlord? (laughs) Laying in the ring. The Sandman, more like IRS... Pay your taxes. <laughs> yeah, as soon as that pole or the cane fell off the pole, I was just like, oh, God. Uh, they didn't plan for that. <laughs> no. They have no clue what they're going to do at this point because neither one of these guys are talented enough to be able to go, oh. Oh, we'll call it and we'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. Yeah, like if they had like a tug of war with it or something immediately, it would have been like at least a pretty good thing. A tug of war and then both of the ladies come in, but I mean, you know. What do we do? Just the whole, well, let's just put it on the turnbuckle. I just hope that Peaches is getting over $50 a show. If she's going to get <laughs> cigarettes thrown at her and hit in the head, her getting hit in the head with Kane, I was like, they could, they, that must have been an accident. Cause, and then the way that she sells it, like her crying looked real. And I'm like, Man, I got hit in the head with a cane. I'd probably cry too. And I'm like, that's, yeah, it's kind of, kind of hard to look at. So we go to our sixth match, public enemy of Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock. Versus the Funk Brothers of Dory Jr. and Terry Funk. Yeah. When was the last time we saw Dory Funk Jr.? Uh, this if honestly ever. was the first Dory Funk match that I have watched. If we saw one, it was probably like 
Um, let's hear it, Matt. I believe it was the. This is the first match that we'll have seen him. But he was at Slamboree 1993. As a legend. No, no. He wrestled. Oh, that was show. that was the show that where was they the did legend show the really bad show where it was like every other it match. Was, yeah, it was the three legend matches in the middle of the show. He wrestled on that one. I'm ninety percent sure. I can't remember. I mean, I believe you. But I figured maybe we'd see a Dory Funk in like an early in a mid '80s match from Nick Bockwinkel and Ganya or something. Were they one of them? When he wasn't he the one that was facing Bockwinkel? Can't remember. In all of wrestling, because you know we see these older guys or these guys come back as legends. Has anybody in wrestling? Yes, it was. It was Dory. Dory okay. Faced Nick Bockwinkel. Oh, nice. Has anybody aged as well as Bob Backlund did? Considering that he was a pre pre Hogan star, I mean, he never really was selling anything out, but he was a guy they relied on, and he just always he never looks that old, even up until like yeah, I don't know. I'm just, to think. just thinking, because Dory Funk Jr. here mm-hmm. looks like he probably shouldn't be in a ring. No, Dory looks like he's in his sixties already in this match. <laughs> but before the match gets going, we we are sent to a video package to see a match between Terry and Sabu from earlier in the year when a masked man was in the ring. Paul E. pulls the mask off and it's Bobby Eaton who drops an elbow on Funk and Todd Gordon. Even in a even in a, a package video, I'm always happy to see Bobby Eaton even if it's only for a second. Yep. Arn Anderson then would come out and clear the ring with DDTs on Sabu and Eaton. And I'm always happier which, to see Arn. I'm assuming this is probably, this is what set up the When's Worlds Collide tag match. Yeah. That we got no backstory for. Backstory Yeah, because we're about to see a little bit of that here too. Dangerously is then cutting a promo in the back when Terry interrupts him, slapping him, and telling him to quit mentioning his family. Oh, I love the... Terry slap and Paul. Don't you talk about my daughters? I mean, come on. Sorry. Paulie <laughs> Paul then visits Public Enemy in the hood. And I am not saying that as a racially charged thing. It no. literally says in the hood, in the hood yeah. on the screen. Yeah. Let the boys be boys. Dangerously tells them he will pay them, which they do. At when worlds collide, remember, Public Enemy came out and attacked Funk on the floor with chairs and two by fours, which we covered on episode 116. So we're back. Even though the Public Enemy are tag team champions, this is a non title match. Yeah, I mean, Dory Funk's not wrestling again. Yeah, this uh, I went when, when it was like non title, Dory Funk's out here. I'm like, well, I wonder how this match ends. <laughs> <laughs> Joey tells us that this is the first time the Funks have teamed in 10 years, which I looked it up. Not true. Yeah, I'm sure they were in Japan a month ago. It had only been three years since they had teamed in all Japan. But if you just want to count America, it had been eight years since WrestleMania 2. Okay, well, I mean, you know. When they teamed up. Eight, ten. Oh, that's right. They were on WrestleMania 2. Okay, so maybe I have seen more than one. Dory match. This is probably at least the third or fourth one. Yeah. yeah. But Public Enemy, of course, comes out to da, 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 let the boys be boys. And I was just like, oh, I wish that Terry, the Funks, came out to one of those beautiful Terry Funk album songs. Sorry, it's fanfare for the common man. I know. It's yeah. just, just still cool, but I mean, it's, I mean, Matt Terry and I are Funk's both champions watch. of that Terry Funk Japanese record or whatever it's Terry called. Terry Funk, Great Texan. 
Oh, yeah. Great job. Totally fun. So nothing is happening to start this match between Rock and Terry. Rocco then requests the presence of Dory, where Junior delivers a forearm. The Funks then go for a double-team maneuver, only for Rock to grab the ropes and tag in Grunge. Johnny takes a forearm from Dory. Terry hits an elbow to the top of the head and then tosses Grunge out to the floor. And Public Enemy getting lots of you sucks from the crowd. Back in the ring, Dory and Johnny lock back up. Trading blows, but Junior gets the advantage with some vicious forearms to send Grunge to the apron. But Dory brings him back in with a vertical suplex. The Funks with double elbows. Terry with a power bomb on Johnny for a two count before throwing him out to the floor once more. Terry's with, out there with chops out on the concrete, which Grunge returns the favor, but Terry just asks for more. No sell that shit. Rocco comes over to help as well, only for Terry to fight them off, even slamming Rock's head into a guardrail and tossing Johnny over into the crowd. Terry delivers a chair shot to the skull onto Rocco when Grunge starts throwing chairs at them. They get back in the ring, and Terry and Dory continue the attack with chairs across the back of Johnny, when Rock comes in with a chair of his own to lay out Terry. Yeah, I'm like... The rear view. I feel like they've already lost the plot. I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) Everybody grab a chair! They start with actually tagging for maybe a minute and a half, and then... It's like... What the fuck are we they're doing? We're the Funk Brothers. Around, they're just walking around the ring going, okay, we're going to make this a tag match. And then they're like, eh, yeah. screw it. Yeah, yeah. This is the uh, the infamous uh, ECW walk and brawl, where you walk wherever you'd like, and you brawl wherever you'd like. Dory and Rocco have a chair fight, swinging them at each other before Dory throws his at Rock. I mean, I like this energy. Rocco goes for a shoulder block, but Junior just shoves him away and tosses him out to the floor. Where he starts to follow out, but Johnny is up with a chair shot to the back of Dory. Chair shot to the chair shot. Rock runs. That happened already. <laughs> Rock runs Junior into the still post, while Grunge continues to work over Terry inside the ring until he's thrown to the outside as well. More chair shots from both teams when Rocco grabs hold of Dory inside the ring, allowing Johnny to nail Junior over the head. Terry's trying to get back into the ring. But Rock hits a running back elbow to knock him back to the floor. Grunge and Terry are brawling on the outside. Rocco's beating on Dory inside. But they end up outside to run Junior into a guardrail. Johnny and Terry have made their way to the back of the crowd area. Oh yeah, and I believe that at least one from each of these tag teams is busted open at this point. Grunge body slams Terry and then Rock joins in. Where we hear chair shots, but we don't see it as they pan back to the ring. Where we see Johnny climb back into the ring to body slam Dory for a two count. Multiple small packages, followed by Rocco charging into a corner. Only for Junior to avoid and cradle up Rock for a two count of his own. Public Enemy tosses Dory to the floor, where Grunge holds him. Allowing Rocco to come flying over with a somersault senton. I mean, that's his move. Only for Junior to move, forcing Johnny to take the brunt of the move. Dory pulls Rock back into the ring and begins working him over as Terry has made his way back to ringside, all busted open. Terry took a... Just like blood, just flying. Yeah, Terry went to the eagle's nest where he left his razor blade. <laughs> yeah, all funked up. Junior goes for a spinning toe hold, but Grunge makes the save with a clothesline. 
Rocco makes a cover only for Dory to grab hold of the ropes to break it up. All of a sudden, because you know what we need in a brawl. I've got an idea. We need more people out here to brawl some more. That's right. Pier 6, baby! Paul E. and 911 come down to ringside. 911. Oh, Rock makes another cover for a two count. Uh, that's the crowd chanting. I'm not the biggest 911 fan. 911 comes into the ring to complain about the count, grabs the ref, and chokeslams him. Public Enemy then hits a double clothesline on Dory and dangerously makes the three count. What do you think you do? Own the place? Terry then makes his way back into the ring and attacks everybody, clearing the ring while Dory cradles up grunge. So Terry makes a three count of his own. <laughs> Terry then goes to the outside brawling. Johnny's choking Dory inside the ring, but Junior escapes and starts working over grunge until Johnny goes low to the little funksters. More brawling. Grunge makes a cover, but the match is over? I mean, they both won. Yeah. There's, but, I mean, this is where it gets extra weird, right? Terry and Rocco are then in the eagle's nest. Okay. Terry hits multiple chair shots and hog ties a rope around the ankles of Rock, shoving him off, dangling him from the nest. Upside down for the beatdown. Both Funk Brothers then start working over Rocco while he's still hanging. Yeah, he's like kind of got like his like arms, but he's upside down, feet to a rope, and they're just kind of like, you know, beating on his torso. Grunge finally shows up with a chair to clear them out. Oh, yeah. And the official announcement of the match was a no contest. Oh, I was going to say, they were like, well... That was long. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Totally happened. That's that. I mean, at least Terry Funk was there, and uh, Rocco Rock likes to flip sometimes. Can you count how many wrestling moves were in that match? Like four. (sighs) The one attempt at a spinning toe hold. (laughs) There was a somersault senton. There was a spinning toe hold. Mm -hmm. There was a vertical suplex at some point. That sounds. That sounds about, about right. right. Yeah, I mean, they, they, there was a running back elbow. Yeah, maybe an Irish whip at one point. Maybe, maybe, probably. probably yeah, into steel <laughs> on the floor. So we're headed to our seventh match: Rock and Rebel with Jason versus Mikey Whipwreck <sighs> for the ECW Television Championship. You know who's over? Uh, Mikey. Yeah. Mikey shirt. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I made sure okay. to wear my, my Mikey Whipwreck t-shirt, unofficial Mikey Whipwreck t-shirt, made by Liquid Blue starting in the 90s. Took me a long time to find this shirt, because they people used to sell them for really expensive. It's the Dragon shirt on, like, eBay, and then they started, they, like, put it back into production, because they make, like, any shirt you would see at a truck stop is the shirts that Liquid Blue makes, and then outside of that, they make, like tie-dye Grateful Dead t-shirts and shirts with like dragons and wolves on them and stupid shit like that. But the Mikey Whipwreck, uh, if you need a Mikey Whipwreck dragon t-shirt, liquidblue.com. There you go. Free plug. So the announcer calls Rock and Rebel the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. What the damn hell? And I was like, someone needs to get Jericho on the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, he wasn't that quiet yet. Maybe yeah. he... Well, maybe he's gave uh, Rock and Rebel... 80 bucks. Rock and Rebel, and they look more like Rock and Robin, though. (laughs) My 
first thought was Rock and Rebel, and I was like, wait, it's going to be an intergender match? And I was like, oh, no, wait a second. Rock and Rebel's a guy <laughs> I've seen wrestle before. So Rebel attacks as soon as the belt comes off, laying it in with chops, a body slam, stomps, short arm clotheslines, elbow drop, vertical suplex. I mean, Mikey's getting it. More chops and a pile driver. But Rock and Rebel doesn't make a cover. I mean, he's he, he wants to put him down, this guy. Mm-hmm. He's, he keeps... Keeps winning against all odds. I love how much the crowd's behind him, and I love that he comes out to loser by Beck, and yeah, it's just like, oh, <laughs> come on, like they want to cheer for me even more now. And he's just such a fucking baby face, baby face. I know. Rebel continues with a spine buster, side suplex. He sends Mikey to the ropes, only to miss a clothesline. But Jason is there to trip up Whipwreck from the outside. Jason comes up on the apron to discuss the match with the ref, while Rock and Rebel sends Mikey to the ropes again. This time, Whipwreck leapfrogs over him and forearm smashes Jason off the apron. Woo! Which Joey tells us is his first offensive maneuver ever. <laughs> and it's on the it's on the dirtbag uh, manager. So yeah. good. Forearm smash. So smart. It's fun to see like the intelligent booking stuff sprinkled in here. Like Tommy Dreamer's loss uh, early on. And this whole Mikey Whipwreck thing might be the best booked thing in ECW we've seen so far. Yep. Rebel clotheslines Mikey over to the floor and follows him out to nail him with a chair across the back. Rocket Rebel rolls Whipwreck back into the ring and holds him while Jason grabs a chair, swinging away only for Mikey to move in time. So Rebel takes the blow and the ref calls for the bell. I mean, you know, it would have been nice if he pinned him, but it's not good for the, it's not right for the character. Yep. Mikey drags Jason into the ring, yanking him off the ropes, ripping the suit off. The sexiest man on earth. Yeah, it looks like he's going to do like a apron uh, or a rope drape like DDT or whatever, but he just kind of pulls him in and like pancakes him down. But he does hang on with the feet up for a minute before he gets stripped. Rock and Rebel hits Whipwreck from behind with a chair, and the two men start the beatdown until the Tasmaniac runs down to clear the ring with headbutts, belly to belly suplexes, before the Pitbulls run in as well to make it four on Taz. The Maniacs laid out, followed by multiple top rope splashes from Pitbull number two, a jumping elbow drop and top rope splash from Jason, who's actually in better shape than any of the other wrestlers in this ring. I know, it's so wild. I wonder if he just has like some weird injury or something. But once again, his stable celebrates their beatdown before heading to the back. Also, you know, get get that extra Taz babyface bump here. Right. The rub from all this Mikey goodwill. I love that uh, he says that Mikey Whipwreck's going to sleep well tonight on painkillers. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like, uh, you know, <clears throat> drug use and wrestling. So we go to our eighth match. Sabu with Paul E. Dangerously in 911 versus Cactus Jack. Okay. What? I mean, you know, is like, uh, who else do you want to see Sabu have a match with? RVD, he's not here yet. We've never seen him wrestle. He doesn't even exist at this point. This could be like a dream match at the time. So the story behind this match was that while WCW and ECW had a working relationship, Todd Gordon had a mystery opponent for Sabu. Paul E. would keep guessing the wrong person, even thinking that it was going to be Onita in from Japan. FMW. Until it was announced that it was Jack. Dangerously claimed that WCW wanted Sabu 
but he wouldn't let them have it. Sure they, they did. sent Cactus Jack to destroy Sabu. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. Pretty fun little storytelling, but he's WCW. They didn't even want Cactus Jack because yeah. they thought he was too dangerous, let alone Sabu. So Dangerously takes the mic and he calls Sabu the Cactus Slayer. Hmm. Not the sharpest Nick name, yeah. but, you know. I mean, even even Polly's got to have a, a bad moment. The, the Jack Ripper. <laughs> See? <laughs> I just made that up. It's not good either, but it's better than It's that. better than Cactus Slayer. Yeah. So Sabu's crawling around the ring while Jack just stands in the middle before hitting multiple jumping enziguris, a leaping leg lariat, a back suplex, and a spinning heel kick to send Jack out to the floor. Sabu looks to dive out, but Cactus Jack runs off. So Sabu pauses and crawls out, grabbing a chair and delivering multiple shots across the shoulder and back. Is this? I feel like the crawling thing, I don't remember so much. I think he's just trying something out. I have no clue. I mean, yes. It might be one of the few times that Sabu is the more... More, uh, like... Um... Agile... Yeah. person in the ring <laughs> yeah but he's also like the the one that the crazier one the crazier guy the uh, media. I think this he might... comes out with being like on chains 911 like holding him so i think he's supposed to be like unhinged which he has been this time but i don't remember seeing him crawl before but you know you got to try stuff out this could be the first time he's actually in there with somebody that's on his level so he's got to break out yeah at least on his everything. level for hurting themselves <laughs> sabu sits jack in the chair crawls into the ring only to then fly out with a tope suicida. Back in the ring, more chair shots and an air Sabu. Sabu goes for a second one, but Cactus Jack catches him with a back elbow. Jack then hits a clothesline that sends them both to the floor. Followed by Cactus Jack grabbing the chair out of the ring to use as a weapon. Followed by an elbow drop from the apron onto the concrete floor. I mean, you know, the Cactus Jack special at this point is just him splatting his elbow on the concrete. It's like, oh, it's fine. You can just roll out of the way. It's cool. Cactus Jack continues the attack with more chair shots. A fan hands him a frying pan to use on Sabu. But he hits himself in the head with it several times as well. I know. We, like, we all know that Mick Foley is the nicest man that's ever wrestled. This is visual proof of it even in 1994 that he still used it to because his character would use it but he used it on himself instead of hitting Sabu in the head like he knows how to take a chair shot nobody can take a frying pan to the head no that's just a frying pan to the head yeah and it was uh it reminded me of what the fuck was that movie called hereditary is that what it was with Tony Collette yeah yeah where she's banging her head against the wall oh yeah that's a really upsetting scene <laughs> man a very upsetting movie I, I quite liked it Back into the ring they go, where Jack hits an elbow drop for a two count. Goes up top to try for a senton, only for Sabu to move out of the way. Ugh, a splat. Sabu hits a slingshot leg drop for a near fall, and he goes up top for a moonsault. But Cactus Jack is up to hit him from behind, and goes for the super back suplex. Only for Sabu to shift his weight to land on top. It's a scary fall, too, because like he like kind of... Sabu doesn't get all of it, of the of the like weight movement thing. Mm -hmm. But I mean, does Sabu ever get all of anything? Yeah. Sabu hits a drop kick and goes for a back body drop, only for Jack to counter to try for a vertical suplex. When Sabu floats over, 
But a waistlock reversal has Cactus Jack in control, so Sabu charges towards the ropes, sending them both falling out to the floor. Jack drags Sabu out into the crowd, where he charges at him, but his back body dropped onto the concrete. We don't have to give away tickets in Philly. <laughs> Sabu sets up a table, sitting Cactus Jack onto it, followed by a leaping leg drop off the guardrail through the table. <laughs> Steel springboard leg drop. <laughs> Back into the ring, Sabu makes the cover for a two count. But then Jack rolls out to the floor to regroup, but Sabu is following right after him. Charging after him, only for Cactus Jack to hot shot him into a guardrail. But Sabu comes right back with a back suplex onto the concrete. They're in the crowd, and Sabu sets up a table outside of the guardrail. Amongst the fans. 911 comes in to help him set Jack on the table while Sabu heads up to the apron. Sabu then springboard moonsaults over the railing onto the table. And I don't know if you guys saw this. But he doesn't quite make it all the way over. Only hitting Cactus Jack with his feet while his head goes straight into the guardrail. I know. I was just like, fuck me. I... I rewound it a few times, not because I wanted to see it, but I just wanted to make sure that it happened. I was like, oh no, he didn't get far enough and hit his head on the steel. And like, you know, I'm sure that the feet to Cactus Belly didn't feel too great, but uh, yeah, he, I'm the, sure... the head to a guardrail is much worse. <laughs> yeah, I know. That, that, it could have killed the man. Fall. He totally yeah. could have just killed him. People get hit on the head uh, in, in less wild situations and drop dead. Yep. Jack picks up bits of the broken table, flinging them into the ring, before rolling Sabu in, making a cover for a two-count. I just thought of a really good idea of Cactus Jack's cereal, and it's just like little pieces of broken table. Because <laughs> it's all made out of sawdust anyway. And marshmallow ears. Oh, there you go. Perfect, Shane. <laughs> God, there's a reason we do this together. <laughs> Paulie jumps on the apron while Cactus Jack clotheslines Sabu with the broken table. Jack hits another clothesline in the corner when dangerously smashes him across the head with his cell phone, knocking him down with Sabu falling on top of him for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Return of the cell phone. Been a while. I love the cell phone. Post-match, 911 starts holding up Cactus Jack, allowing Paul E. to hit him repeatedly before charging in with the clothesline only for Jack to move causing Dangerously to just bounce off of 911. <laughs> Boing. Cactus Jack then starts beating on 911, going low, drop kicking Sabu out of the ring, followed by a vicious chair shot across the head of 911. Mr. Hughes then runs out and starts helping 911 with Jack. Mr. Hughes, 911 all over this show. But Shane Douglas pulls Mr. Hughes away. The Bruise Brothers then run out. And they start brawling with Hughes and Douglas. Sabu jumps off of a chair over the ropes with a somersault senton onto Cactus Jack and 911. I think you flipped enough tonight. Knocking them all down. Jack and Sabu then start brawling into the crowd where Cactus Jack hits a pile driver on the concession stand. They're still going at it, but we really can't see them as they head back to the ring where Sabu hits Jack across the face with a glass bottle. Yeah, I was like, he breaks something over his head. Uh, I mean, a bottle, that makes sense. Also, that's assault. Anywhere else. <laughs> 911 throws a table into the ring, where Sabu throws Cactus Jack into it, 
to break it. Sabu then sets the broken pieces on top of each other, followed by placing Jack on top of those before heading up top to hit a moonsault. But Cactus Jack gets up and ends up suplexing the table onto Sabu. Another table suplex. I love it. Uh, I do love the table suplex. He loves the broken (laughs) tables, too. It's a wreck. We then go to the back where Cactus Jack is there. He has the WCW World Tag Team Championship with him, but he spits on it. What? I know, crazy. He says, Tonight I've lost three titles I've held for the last five years. Most suicidal wrestler, ugliest wrestler, and Jack Kevorkian's favorite wrestler. I can choose one of three paths. Concede the title, outdo Sabu, but it's not physically possible. But the one I choose is to just eliminate the competition. Sabu, how will you fly when you don't have a foot? How will you speak when you don't have a tongue? How will you hear when you're not missing just half an ear? Paulie, you hurt my feelings because when you were looking for the most gifted man in WCW, you didn't call me. I'm sick and tired of being a family entertainer, so Mrs. Foley's baby boy is coming home. Dun, dun, dun. I know, he gets chills our, when he says Miss Foley's baby boy. Is this our first reference of Mrs. Foley's baby boy? I as believe so. We have seen what we've seen. I mean, yeah, maybe he did it on like some WCW television that we don't cover on this show, but I feel that like no, he I was, feel like it's here. He was pretty much strictly Cactus Jack and Bang Bang. Yeah, there's some bang said. bangs throughout this promo. I mean, maybe and during stuff, the but... amnesia storyline, maybe. Oh, possibly. I forgot about that. But... Yeah, like, but this is this is the first time we're like I know all three of our eyebars raised when we heard that while watching. Yeah. We then go to Paulie dangerously in nine one one in the back. Paulie says, "I've never seen anyone smile after taking a beating like that." Sabu won nothing tonight because you were still alive, Cactus Jack. I'm obsessed with the demise of the CNN office. Sabu is no longer here to win titles. He's here to take you out, Jack. Next time you show your face around here, he will beat you within an inch of your life and then go the whole damn inch. Beautiful. Yeah, I think he also makes a reference to, um, of course, WCW. He says he calls out uh, Ted and Jane Fonda, which yep. I always forget that he was married to Jane Fonda, like basically throughout all of the 90s. Yep. So, gentlemen, I ask you, what are your thoughts of Hostile City Showdown 1994? I mean, well, this last thing is must watch. This last match is must watch ECW, like, chronologically. If you had to, like, pick matches that you have to watch. I would say there's maybe three on this show. The Mikey match, because it's the Mikey stuff's probably, like I said, booked the best. And then you get the Taz gets the rub, and it's better than the Taz match. So, And then uh, the the Kane match, just because the thing where Kane matches, we've already seen it once, but it's just such an ECW thing that you just throw it in there. And then, of course, this, because it's Cats Jack. At the place where he should be right now. Yeah, the Cactus Jack Sabu match definitely must watch. 
I didn't really care for the bulk, the bulk of everything else. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't say those other were must- Flashes of a couple seconds here and there, but I could have just watched this match and been good. I mean, I, I can, agree that that's the only must-watch. I can see where you're coming out with the Mikey Whipwreck stuff. It's, it is probably some of the better book stuff on the show and, yeah. and, and, and in ECW at this point. But other than that main event, I, I don't think you have to watch it. No, no. My... And even the main event, it's I don't know if it's a must-watch other than it's just fucking cool. It's a, it's a worth, worth a watch. Jack. You know what I mean? Worth a watch, not necessarily a must-watch. Yeah, but the post-match shenanigans in many of the matches, I, I think that's where the the charm of this show is, is the post-match stuff. Yeah. Because literally on every match... There's something. One of Mr. Hughes coming out. There's some post-match stuff that is actually pretty fun. I mean, it's kind of the like. And the promos at the end. Are yes. Fire. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's Polly and Cactus Jack. They were made to be together in the same place at the same time forever. Whether they're interacting with each other at all times, they should always be. They should just always be in the same company. It just <laughs> it just fits too well. It's like yeah. They're just perfect. A pu- if it's a puzzle, but the puzzle is only two pieces, <laughs> it's, and it's Cactus Jack and Polly Dangerously. It always works. The but I was just saying, like if you did a you know three hundred hours of like because you know there's a lot more than that of ECW, but of just like chronologically matches to cherry pick. I'm not talking about like a like a two disc set. I'm talking like a ten disc set. Those other matches, like if, just for things that probably continue to pay off, mm. maybe, maybe. Mm. Not saying it's all must watch, but you should watch the Cactus Jack thing. Yep, watch Cast- Cactus Jack stuff. And Sabu, watch Sabu get his face hit. <laughs> I love Sabu. He is a <coughs> homicidal. <laughs> He's the he is the definition of like a hot mess when it comes to wrestling. He is the sloppiest and just doesn't give a shit it's like it's like watching a drunk dog do backflips it's just like oh well i kind of have to see this (laughs) i don't know that anybody should have gave this dog alcohol but like he's already drunk like what are we gonna do might as well watch yeah good where's the smart marks at all right fuck you i think it's time we smart it up so what are some of the best moments on this show Nine one one coming out and killing this. <laughs> yeah, like that was I, unexpected for me. I mean, it's probably a surprise. I mean, I don't know if it's a surprise because it's been happening at every show. But nine one one getting as much of a pop as he gets. Oh yeah, is just like insane to me for basically just coming out and beating up nobodies. Yeah, he also gets booed a little bit, but that's because of the cactus. Because of cactus Jack. Yeah, at the end he does because he's going up against Cactus Jack. But outside of that, if it wasn't if it was anybody else, it wouldn't matter. They would just be like, ah, close or uh, choke slam him. A cool moment for me because you know Taz is one of my favorites. Oh yeah, first time we've seen a Taz flex. Yeah, no, it was cool and like honestly, that finish was interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it was that, like that was I said, actually it, one of the more interesting finishes of the entire show because it was subverted to your expectations. We've seen matches like this. We had of an idea like 
it's happening. We're like, all right, well, all the moving parts. You see him tag him. They talk about it. So it's like I mean, it's all set up for it to not end the way that it does. And I then mean, it, if you think about it, though, it's kind of funny. Literally, they start doing the three corners, and we're like, okay, that's how they're gonna do it. And then Pitbull actually makes the cover, and we're like, wait, what? So are, it's, are they are it, they stu- like? And the ref we're, counts. We're, it, we're all we're all like, do they understand what they're doing? Turns and out then do. Taz does the tags plex and wins it with the, te- the three count. And, and I think all of us are just like, okay. I'm completely okay with this. Yeah, like it, it was good. It it, was good like ending. all of the internal logic was there. Yeah, like it all showed up on the screen, which is kind of a huge compliment for ECW. Just saying. Yeah, it's I mean still... we we said it before, but the the final match and just the the Slop final promos. Yeah, yeah. I mean that... just everything that those two guys do with the tables in that match is just like I would not want to do any of that stuff no, ever of not. No. that these two guys are just willing to go and do it in front of a thousand people I mean before we started doing this show and I've seen more wrestling and I've kind of changed my tastes because when I was younger I just liked the car wreck of it all mm-hmm. um, more but like Cactus Jack, Mick Foley and Sabu were like my two favorite wrestlers so i of course i still love them but as an being older and getting into wrestling now like i like the slop matches but i don't want all slop matches and if i'm gonna have them i want it to be like a sabu and a cactus jack who are gonna leave it all out there or um a terry funk who's gonna blade three seconds in if we're gonna do it let's do it but so seeing this i'm like oh like this is the stuff that I would um, download and burn to a DVD and go watch over at my friend's house and be like, all right, we're going to watch 10 Sabu matches tonight. Yeah, this, the Sabu Cactus Jack, it, it, it's not going to end up on the short list by any means. No. But it is a very entertaining match. It's probably our best break stuff match in ECW so far. Yeah. It, just because if, Sabu if flips that, around. If not that, it's the, I mean, the three-way dance. I mean, this yeah. might be the best move. Like if it's not if it's not this match, it's definitely the three. Three way dance was also a lot of fun. Yeah, and you had the right people in it. How about most disappointing? I'm a bruise man. Yes, not a bruise brothers, Mister Hughes. I can do without you guys. And completely. I'm like, I want Shane to do something. I mean, he's got to be on the, the freaking cartoon. champ. I know. Yeah, and he's in this. He's stuck in this tag team because I mean, obviously because. Like they have Cactus Jack coming in as a as a special attraction, and who Terry you... Funk and Dory Funk are there, so they're doing that thing. So the sh- whole Shane Douglas and championship thing's kind of been it's kind of pushed down the card, which and... makes sense too because you can't defend it on every show, and you shouldn't. Exactly. No. You don't want to hoganize the belt already. No, and especially it's like, well, I mean, Shane Douglas, great wrestler, we all like him, but like, there's no Douglas mania ever happening guys so on the singapore cane on a pole match what's more disappointing that the pole is that high up that there's absolutely no way that they were ever going to be able to grab the cane or that the cane fell um that peach just got hit in the head with the cane is my answer (laughs) but uh they didn't like because neither of the people in the match used the pole did they Sandman used it to beat on Tommy. Yeah, okay. and uh, Tommy actually like did one. wrap himself on there, but the pole's so thin. It's like you can't even. It's yeah. like thinner than a, uh, like a. What's the game where you hit the ball around the pole? 
It's still like thinner than a tetherball pole, like thinner than a basketball, like you know, portable basketball pole. I mean, it it looks flimsy, like it was a flimsy bamboo pole. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it just looked like um, like uh, what's that? Like a really long piece of rebar. It's like that's none of these guys should be uh, climbing up that. Um, but I guess I mean that it fell for sure because. Well, yeah, that it fell, and then they just like oh well, just also that it was on a pole to begin with. Like they have a ladder. This arena's not that tall. They could have just hung it from the ceiling, and they could have just pulled it down. Mm-hmm. They could just, you know, jump off of a of a chair even. Oh, they could have just kept it in the time and grabbed the thing and, and pulled it over down. and yeah. grabbed it. Yeah. And it would have probably been less high because <laughs> you could add it as high or low as you want. Uh, most disappointing for me is the world was deprived of Don Allen versus Chad Austin. Uh, we may never know. I don't think you're going to be that disappointed if you think about it. Uh, it could have been the start of something beautiful. Uh, the Chad century. Austin is just such a fucking beautiful jock name. <laughs> How about best performer of the night? I'll call it a tie because Sabu about cracked his head open and flew all over the place. And then Jack did his thing, great as always, but then he also did the promo. <laughs> then you had Taz think, that came out there a couple times too. I think the promo is what puts Cactus Jack over, yeah, over the head. To, yeah, ahead. for sure. And honestly, if Sabu was a little bit... Uh, Better he wouldn't have too cold Scorpioed himself <laughs> across the seal. Could you imagine a too cold Scorpio versus Sabu in '94 ECW match? Both men wouldn't be here today. They both would have died in the ring. How about most surprising? I loved how over Mikey was. Like we, like you said earlier, so surprising how over nine one one is. It's like the guy that does nothing and the guy that does nothing are the two most over people in here. And at least one of them's like charming, but the other guy just looks like uh, Jake Roberts grew fucking four inches. I mean, literally, when you mentioned it earlier that the Whipwreck story is one of the best told stories that they're telling, I was like, "That's true." Like, that it, makes I, sense why he's over. It totally made sense to me when you said it, and I was just like, "Oh, so it's kind of surprising that this guy who is a nothing." I mean, I mean they're they're basically he's like, playing it as a what's joke. lower than an underdog, an undercat. <laughs> like, hey, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so it is surprising that that is one of the best told stories that they're doing. So. Yeah, I don't know what to go for most surprising for me on this one. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm kind of surprised that the Funk Public Enemy match I didn't like more. Oh, I did not like it. I didn't all. think I was going to like it anyways because I mean I've never been a huge Public Enemy fan. I think that the at least like Rocco does some stuff and the small stuff that he does do is of decent quality half the time there we go most surprising cactus jack brought the wcw tag team titles and spit on it spit on it yeah and that was kind of one of the first times that you've had another belt from another organization brought onto a different organization's tv and we had to blurt out trashed but it wasn't it was a little different yeah that was it was not it, it, that was his belt. It wasn't the <laughs> belt. Yeah, yeah. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Oh, shit. What we got this week, Matthew? This week, the category is Music of the Mat. It's my music. Break it down. I will play the theme song of a wrestler. You give me that wrestler's name. 
It almost sounded like it was borderline for a second. Just fucking Rod Stewart, what is this? Like, I can barely hear it, that's what's hard. Okay. Song's cool. Oh man. You might have to go to a rules club. Fuck. I want to say that it's a tag team, but I don't think that tag team lasted long enough for them to have a theme song. I really like the song a lot. It sounds like a really good, like, opening credits theme. To a movie on, I'd watch on YouTube. Yeah. Clue number some, one. Okay, clue number one. I've never had to do multiple choice on music. It is a tag team. Okay. I mean, fuck it. It's not the Freebirds. <laughs> Just gotta say it's a tag team. Clue number two. I can't remember the guy's name. They broke up very quickly. It's yeah. is it? I think it's who I think it is. I can't. I can think of one of the guys and not the other. One of them I'm probably think of the same guys. Yeah. Can Clue I... number three. <laughs> they both had very good individual careers. Uh, it was uh, Martell and Zink. I can't think of the guy. Was it? The, I, they did the big thing where they went and bought suits and they were hot and the girl took them away. I know Zink was in there. Martell. It wasn't Martell, I know that. When I said Martell, I was like, that's not right. I was just thinking of another handsome guy that would look next to Tom, look good next to Tom Zink. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> but I think that's what it is. Do you think that that might probably be I mean, it? I was thinking... It's also around the other guy, but I can't think what the fuck the other guy's name is. But well, it wasn't. It wasn't. Then he said they had successful singles careers, and I'm trying to remember who the other guy was. I don't think it's Orndorff. But because he came in like maybe a little bit after that, back to WCW. It's not, it's not Spivey. No, this is this guy's favorite song. The sick tune right now. Oh my god, this is very funny. This song's long. I think that it's Zink and. You guys have 15 seconds. <laughs> do I get one? Do I get like half, half the points of. Zinks in the tag team. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. Pass. You had half the tag I team. I know I did. Yeah. I was like, even when it first started playing, I, I was like, it's the, the Zink tag team. But I was like, there's no way they have a song. And then I was like, they had to be that one. Once you Rick Martell and Tito Santana. Tito Santana? Strike Force. That was Strike Force? I didn't know that was the song either, though. Uh-uh. I mean, good song. I'm like trying to think back. Wouldn't that make more sense in. for the Tom Zink tag team, though? What was yeah. the Tom Zink tag team? I don't even know what they that I'm thinking of. The WCW one that lasted for a second. Yeah, they went the promos shopping really good. pretty woman style and yeah. never debuted. They were like being chased around. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I was excited for it, but Girls and Cars, good song. Huh. Next week, Heat Wave '94. Going, staying here in Philly. Woo, more Philly food. <laughs> It'll be a month later. True. Yeah. 
have to bring something extra special. I think for, it's kind of. Uh, I, I thought it was kind of weird that neither WCW or WWF ran anything between these two dates. I yeah, thought I that know. too. I was like, mm, like I guess we just kind of did a clash. There was I was thinking at first maybe it was like a two-part show where it's like Hostile City, Heat Wave, same weekend. I mean, Heat Wave is oh, like the the most memorable ECW show they're, name. They're about three weeks apart from each other. So. Oh, huh. they've, yeah, they've hot shot. So they're on today's scheduling. Yeah. <laughs> Ahead of their time. The music from More this week's show one. is Thunder Kiss 65. Five, five, five. By White Zombie. Yeah. And <laughs> Sabu won our main event, so we'll play his theme song, Crazy, by Little Fight. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Do as Michael says. Five stars or no stars. Please and thank you. And if you want to contact us with any questions, comments, concerns, recipes, send me some goddamn recipes. I need to know some stuff. We're going to Philly too much. Come on, people, give me something. You can always do that on email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or on Twitter, wrestlinghistoryx. That's wrestling, H I S T O X. We'll talk to you next week. Layers. Give me some recipes.